98 in the Grafton Senior Center. We had about 25 people there, including kids, and as I used to say, if you count pregnant women, twice. So, um, yeah, yeah, we were, 25 was probably stretching it, but about 25. And a year later, after doing extensive advertising, countless hours of outreach, and inviting everybody that we possibly could, we had about 35 people coming, including kids. Now, in retrospect, I should have been happy with that and content and trusting that God was at work and growing this church on his schedule, but I wasn't. (laughs) I was discouraged, I was frustrated, uh, not to mention exhausted, uh, and I was wondering what I was doing wrong. I mean, clearly, I had not yet been through the Emotionally Focused program. So... In the summer of 1999, as Lisa and I drove down to Champaign, Illinois for a vineyard pastor's meeting, I was not a happy camper. Uh, But fortunately at those meetings, we pray for each other. And as we were doing that that day, a, a guy named Dave, whom we barely knew at that point, came over to pray for Lisa and me. And after praying for a minute or two, Dave said God had shown him in his mind's eye a picture. And it was a picture of a bare branch like a bush, like on a bush. Uh, And and Dave said he felt like God was speaking to Lisa and me through that picture, and that bare branch was a picture of our church, which sounded about right to me. (laughs) And then Dave said as he watched, some buds began to form on the branch, and it burst into bloom. And he said he believed what God was saying through that image was that by autumn, some key people would begin showing up at our church who could be leaders for us. And the bursting into bloom meant that by spring, we'd see significant growth in our church. And the amazing thing is that is exactly what happened. That fall, several people showed up in our church who moved into the area from other parts of the country, including one couple that moved to this area from Hawaii. Who does that? Yeah. (laughs) And who stepped right into roles like leading worship and working with youth and kids, and they just made a huge difference for us. And that spring, by that spring, our little church had just about doubled in size. Now, I had experienced the gift of prophecy many times before that, and I've experienced many times since. But that was definitely one of the most significant times for me. And and it's not just because it accurately predicted what would happen in the year ahead. What mattered the most was how it impacted me that day. You know, what mattered the most was that on the day I heard it, it revealed to me that God really did know me and he really did care about me. He knew what I was going through. He knew the fears and the doubts I was struggling with, and he loved me enough to speak to me audibly through someone I barely knew in a way that brought me hope and encouragement. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a few weeks now and about who the Holy Spirit is, about how he's a a person and not a force, Uh, We've talked about some of the ways the Holy Spirit empowers us to partner with Jesus in his work of making all things new. Last week, Erica talked about the gifts of healing, and today I'm going to wrap up this short short series by talking about the gift of prophecy. So, ready? Let's pray. Lord, come 
and speak to us today. We know you're here in our midst. We know you're with us, Holy Spirit, moving among us, teaching us, working in our hearts, and we just say yes to you. We open our hearts and our minds to you now and ask you to, to just breathe fresh life into each of us. Wherever we're at today, Lord, I pray that you would breathe fresh life into us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read the first five verses. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish you all spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Well, I spent a lot of time during our Family Matters uh, uh, sermon series just before this talking about what was going on in the church in Corinth and about how some of the people there saw themselves as being way more spiritual than everybody else, right? And so they were doing things that were creating all sorts of problems, all sorts of division in that church, one of which was apparently trying to demonstrate their spiritual superiority by speaking in tongues during worship services. And, and not just praying, but apparently giving messages in tongues, which, of course, then no one could understand. Uh, Paul makes it clear in this passage that the gift of tongues, which involves speaking in a language that you don't know, is a legitimate and valuable spiritual gift when it's used appropriately. I, mean, I know the gift of tongues makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Uh, it just seems so weird. Uh, and, and so do all the supernatural gifts, though, if we're honest, right? I mean, tongues and healing and prophecy and, and deliverance. I mean, come on, really, we're in the 21st century. And if that's you, I just want to say that's okay. Uh, it all freaked me out at first. But just ask Jesus to show you what's real and what's not. Uh, because he will in, in ways that you can receive. But I think if we're going to take the Bible seriously, if we're going to read the Bible and listen to what it says, then we have to be open to at least the possibility that all of this supernatural stuff is real and it's still what God wants for us today. Tongues, Paul makes it clear, is primarily a gift for personal prayer by which the Holy Spirit can move you to pour out your heart to God praying in a way that's beyond your own rational use of language. I use that gift a lot. Uh, and like Paul says, it builds you up. That's a good thing. There's something about praying that way that encourages you and strengthens your faith. I, I've also been in worship services, mostly years ago now, but, but services where the whole congregation was 
praying or singing in tongues together. You know, not trying to give messages to each other, uh, but just pouring their hearts out to God that way. And it's a beautiful and powerful use of the gift in the right setting. But our topic for today isn't tongues, it's prophecy. Paul said to pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Well, that clearly makes it sound like prophecy is something that's available to all of us, if he's telling us to to desire it. But there's two misunderstandings about prophecy that make people want to avoid it altogether, uh, thinking, you know, um, they could probably never do it, or on the other hand, sometimes cause people to misuse the gift, use it in an unhealthy way. The first misunderstanding is thinking that prophecy is all about predicting the future. Now, sometimes it is, like in that example I gave. It it did. Uh, That was part of what was going on there. But most of the time, actually, prophecy is not. You know, prophecy is not about giving us secret information like the winning lottery numbers, right? Or who's going to win the next presidential election or something so that we can profit from that information or, or maybe just be in the inner circle of people who are in the know. There is plenty of that weirdness out there, right? Um, and can I just say that it is okay to call weird weird, right? It's okay to call weird weird. And even when prophecy does seem to predict the future, it's often talking about what could happen. It's talking about potential rather than what definitely will happen. And the point of telling us that is so that we respond to God in some way today. There's always an immediate response called for. Prophecy is primarily about God revealing his heart to us. Your prophecy is about us coming to know God better, uh, to know his love for us, to know what he wants for us. So Paul wrote in the passage I read that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their consolation or their comfort. And so real prophecy always builds up the church because that's God's heart for us. You know, God loves his church. And he loves all of us who are his church, right? You know God loves you, right? Just just checking. Yeah, okay. So so God's words are always life-giving. They bring healing. They bring forgiveness. They bring mercy. Sometimes they do bring correction, but then it's only really for the sake of leading us into more of his life. God's words bring wholeness to us. They're part of that prophecy or or that process, I should say, of sozo that uh, Erica talked about last week, that word that means healing and salvation and wholeness. It's part of bringing all of that into our life. So, of course, we should desire the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy isn't just about passing along information either. Sometimes we say prophecy is simply listening to God and then sharing what you hear with someone else. Um, And while in a sense that's true, there's more to it than that. With the gift of prophecy, the Holy Spirit is actually speaking through you. Now, 
it's not like the oracles in Greek mythology, if you're familiar with that, right? You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't take control of you and put you in a trance and make you say something. God doesn't do that. He's not like that. But at the same time, God is speaking through you when you operate in the gift of prophecy. It's God's heart. You know, it's God's words that are being shared. Uh, and, and they're shared in a way that's wrapped in your voice and your personality, which is interesting. And as Isaiah 55 says then, for as just as the rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I please and will prosper and what I send it to do. In other words, prophecy does something. You know, in, in using the gift of prophecy, we're not just passing along information. We're participating with Jesus in his mission of making all things new. That's true if we're the one speaking the prophecy, and it's also true if we're the one hearing and receiving the prophecy with faith. So even more reason to desire the gift of prophecy. Still breathing? Good. Second understanding about prophecy is that if God uses me, this second, did I say misunderstanding? Yeah, misunderstanding about prophecy is that if God uses me with this gift, it makes me like one of the Old Testament prophets. (laughs) Right? I have a word of God for you, thus saith the Lord, so you have to do what I say or else, right? Sometimes people think if I have a prophecy, that's what I become. You know, you know, sometimes the gift of prophecy, or even the gift of pastoring for that matter, has been used to control people in very un-Jesus-like ways. Amen? Yeah. I am hoping you have not run into that. But should you, you, you should be aware of it, and should you run into it, you know, don't put up with it. That's, that's not what it's supposed to be like. I've seen a lot of crazy things over the years. I've been in this a long time now, almost 50 years. And I've seen a fair amount of what I would call spiritual abuse, which is one of the reasons a lot of churches just avoid the whole area of the gifts of the Spirit altogether. I mean, I get it. It is a lot simpler and cleaner that way. A lot less messy. But then we miss out, I think, on so much of what God has for us and so much of how he wants to work in us and through us. So Paul says, even though there's some challenges with them, even though they can be messy, even though we might think they seem weird, we should desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I love how in the original version of the Alpha Course, Nikki Gumbel would explain uh, how in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit was poured out on particular people in particular places at particular times. And if I could say that in an English accent, it would sound even better. Um, Right. In other words, it wasn't widespread. The prophetic gifts were given to just a few people who had great authority and great responsibility to accurately speak God's words. But now the Holy Spirit's been poured out on all of us, 
All of us who have put our faith in Jesus have the Holy Spirit living in us. So rather than the gift of prophecy being invested in just a few people, it's now available to all of us, but none of us have the gift to the degree that people like Moses or Isaiah or Ezekiel had it. We're not hearing God perfectly. You know, we're not writing scripture, right? So when we speak prophetic words here at the vineyard, you know, we don't say, thus says the Lord, because that would imply it's definitely 100% from God. And we have the humility to recognize that often, maybe most of the time, it's not, right? Nor do we put on God's voice, (laughs) you know, put on our God voice, whatever. We just speak normally and we say something like, I think this is what God is saying. When Paul was giving the instructions to the church in Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, uh, two or three prophets should speak. He's talking about what goes on during the worship service. And two or three prophets should speak. In other words, you can limit this. That's what he was saying. It doesn't have to be a free-for-all. It doesn't have to get out of control. Uh, You can say, no, we're only going to let two or three speak. And the others, he said, should evaluate. Those who hear the prophecy decide, does this seem like a word from God or not? And which parts of it seem like a word from God? And is it a word for me or not? Those are all good questions, right? So we all have the Holy Spirit in us, and we can all trust the Holy Spirit to help us discern in that way. And usually the way we do that is by doing it together and simply talking about it. Hey, did that sound good to you? Is it, that seem right? You know, did that part seem right? Did that part seem like maybe... We're going off on a tangent that wasn't quite from God. You know, whatever. You just talk about it. Um, so Paul says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The, the way that we have come to understand spiritual gifts here at the Vineyard is that on the one hand, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each one of us, particular gifts to each one of us, so that we can grow in them and use them whenever they're needed. 1 Peter 4.10 says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. So each one, he says, each one of us, each one of you has been given at least one gift. And some of us have been given the gift of prophecy then. So if those with the gift of prophecy use it to serve others and steward the gift well, they can grow to use that gift powerfully and to help others grow in using the prophetic gift as well. So some people are given the gift. On the other hand, we also believe that the Holy Spirit can work through any of us using any of the gifts of the Spirit anytime he wants to, whenever there's a need. See, I don't think I have the gift of prophecy. My gifts are more in the area of of faith and leadership and uh, teaching, probably. Um, Probably more, yeah, maybe. (laughs) You you tell me, right? Yeah. Um, 
those gifts I just operate in, you know, kind of all the time. They just become a part of who I am, and I can develop them and grow in them, but I, but I really think, you know, it, it's, it's a gift of, of the Holy Spirit. But fairly frequently at the same time, if I'm praying for somebody, or, or sometimes just if I'm in worship here with all of you, or at various other times when it's needed, the Holy Spirit will give me a prophecy to share. That's not because I have the gift of prophecy. It's because I've made myself available to the Holy Spirit and said, you can use me any way you want to. So I try to listen to what he's saying to me and then respond by doing or saying what he tells me to do, which is a really good pattern to practice, by the way. Listen and respond. That's how we learn to move in the things of the Spirit. And we all hear the Holy Spirit differently, depending on how we're wired, how we're made. Some people see pictures. Uh, some people feel things in their body. You know, some people feel emotions. I, I just tend to get thoughts or, or senses of things, and they're not always super clear. Sometimes it's just like a nudge to say or do something, and it doesn't even become clear until I actually step out and start to do it. John Wimber, who was the the spiritual father of the Vineyard Churches, uh, used to say that the Holy Spirit's voice is often like a wisp. It's it's so gentle and so soft, you could easily ignore it. And if you don't respond to it right away, you'll probably just forget about it. It's just going to go in your ear and out the other side. So, you know, I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of you probably far more than you realize. We have to cultivate a listening ear. And one of the ways we do that, besides reading the Bible every day, uh, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, right, just reading the Bible and soaking in it because that's how we learn to hear God's voice. But another way we do it is by responding when we think we hear him. The more we listen for the Holy Spirit and take the chance of responding and doing what we think he's saying to do, even though we're not sure it's the Holy Spirit, the more clearly we'll hear him the next time. That's how you grow. It's like you just take that step of faith, right? That's what it is, trusting. And trusting that if if you're wrong, he'll work with that too. You know, no mistake is insurmountable, right? Usually it's, it's not a huge deal anyways. So, but that's how we grow. So desire the gift of prophecy. This is what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a small group, you know, or, or even when you're just getting together with friends, when you're praying for each other, spend some time listening to the Holy Spirit. Don't just pray the prayers you need that you know to pray. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask him to give you prophecies to share, and he will. And then as you share them, talk about them. You know, it's like, oh, did that make sense? Did that seem like God? Which parts seem like God? Um, It's okay to not get it right all the time. As a matter of fact, most of the time you won't, right? Um, You just, some parts will seem right, some parts will be just you. And that's, we, we grow in that over time. That's okay. What matters is that we try and we practice, and we talk about it, and we try again. Pray for your kids, too. 
You know, ask God to give you prophecies for them. He will. Share them with them. Desire the gift of prophecy. You know, we would love to have more prophecy, more prophetic words given during our worship services here too. And, and we want to do that in a way that's safe and orderly, as Paul says in Corinthians. So if on any Sunday, you know, you think the Holy Spirit has maybe given you a prophecy to share, come up and tell me or tell Erica or tell Lisa. And, and if it seems like something to share, we'll make room for it. And if we say we don't think it's something to share, don't be offended. Try again the next time, right? Um, it's just, that's how we all learn. Uh, we're to desire the gift of prophecy. So how about if we take just a couple minutes now and pursue that gift a little bit together? Um, and we, we know from 1 Corinthians that prophecy is meant to strengthen, encourage, and bring consolation or comfort to others. So what I want you to do is just think of someone you would like to strengthen or encourage or comfort. Think of a person. Might be a spouse, a parent, one of your kids, friend, coworker, whoever. Now here's a question for you. Do you believe that God wants to strengthen or encourage or comfort that person even more than you do? Probably, right? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. So then why would he not give you a prophecy through which to do that? Why would he not? So we're going to take a few moments and just be quiet and listen to God. And, and you can ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to this person in order to comfort or encourage or strengthen them? What's your heart for them, God? And then we'll be quiet and listen. And remember, God's voice often sounds like your own thoughts. Or for some of you, God's voice might come as a feeling, a picture, or a Bible verse. But if we ask the Holy Spirit for something like this, what I have found, if you ask him, he'll answer you. So you can expect an answer, and you can trust that that's really him speaking to you. So uh, we'll be quiet and listen for a minute. If, if you get, when you get something, you, you might want to write it down if you think you won't remember it, or if you can remember it, that's fine too. But then your task is this week sometime, share it with that person. So Holy Spirit, now we're just going to be quiet for a moment and listen.
So when you talk to him, you can say something like, hey, I was listening to God, and I just, I just had this sense that maybe he wanted me to share this with you about, you know, how he wanted to strengthen you or how he wanted to encourage you. Or, you know, we don't have to get all mystical about it, right? This is what I think God was saying, and I don't think I have ever had somebody get mad at me for saying something like that. <laughs> They've always loved it. Uh, and as you do it, I'd love to hear stories about how that goes what your experience was. So tell me, email me, text me, call me, catch me in the, in the after the service, whatever. Tell me how it goes. Amen? Yeah. All right. So we're going to move into communion, share the Lord's Supper together. This is something we do.